going to be talking about how much time do you need to spend in an edible garden? So the way that we do things here, how much time does that really take? So the first question that we should really be asking is how much do you really want it? You know, it's kind of like people will say, oh, I'd give anything if I could play the guitar like that. Well, no, they wouldn't. Or they would be playing the guitar like that. It takes a lot of practice and things like that. But you'd be surprised how little time it really does take depending on the amount of space you have. So if you break it down by space, first, it's hard to figure out one without the other. So if you just have a, just think about it, if you have a container sitting on a balcony, that doesn't take much time at all. But if you have 5,000 square feet or an acre, let's just say, of a garden, that takes a little bit different amount of time. So you need to first figure out how much space you want to dedicate it. And I have it broken down. I did this exercise for you, but it was also really helpful to me because I don't think I've ever done this before. And so it was really eye-opening to me. But people will say, well, I'm going to try to find time. Well, you don't find time to do something that you really want to do. You have to make the time, right? If you say, I'm going to find the, I'm going to try to find the time to play the guitar. Well, if you do that, you're really just setting yourself up for failure. You're just going to get some bruised fingers and maybe build up a few calluses. And if you don't do it on a regular basis, you're just gonna have to rebuild those calluses on your fingers. And if you've ever tried to play the guitar before, you know what I'm talking about. It's just not gonna work. And I don't want you to have, to be enemies with your garden. I want you to be friends with your garden. And I've said this before on past episodes, when I see a garden that is just rows of peppers, rows of tomatoes, rows of corn, rows of potatoes, I just see a lot of work. And so I want to try to help you out as far as becoming friends with your garden. A garden that's something that you need to have. It's like the air that you breathe. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I have to work out. If I don't get my workout in or if I don't get to go to yoga or if I don't get to run or take my walk, I'm just no good to anybody. I can't think straight. I just don't feel right unless I get my workout in. And I used to think, oh man, I wish I had something like that. I wish I felt that way about working out. I don't. But then I thought, oh, I do. I feel that way about being in my garden, about being outside, about having my hands in the dirt, about being able to just take a stroll and look at the flowers and things that are growing and pick a pepper and pick a tomato. I do feel that way. But I want you to know that if you, that I realize and I know that if you have a pulse, you probably have responsibilities that are a legitimate priority for you. I know I do. I have kids and grandkids and I have both of my parents and brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and cousins and grandparents and a business, a job and a house to take care of. And I like to cook and I do like to exercise. It's not the air to me, but I do like to exercise. These days, my exercise has been coming from the garden. Sometimes one of the other of these takes the top position priority-wise, and it's really just kind of a juggling act. But if there's something that you really want to do, then you have to make the time for it. You don't find the time. 
just to prove the point, I'll tell you what's going on in my life right now. This weekend, we're doing a 5K because one of my very best friends in the whole world is putting it on, and we want to be there to support her. And it's in our hometown, and there's a lot of our high school friends that are going to be there, and we'll walk, and it's kind of like taking a trip down memory lane. It's really pretty cool. Afterwards, we'll all go for pizza and margaritas, and the next weekend, we have our grandkids' birthday party out of town. Then I have meetings with my website consultant out of town and marketing specialist out of town, and then I go out of town to a cancer treatment center, excuse me, to sit down with another one of my BFFs who is doing some, she is going to be consulting with a doctor and it's spring and I don't have everything done and in the ground and that I want to grow this season but you know what I have priorities and holding a friend's hand when she consults with a cancer specialist is important to me it's a top priority to me now most of the time I am at home I do have the privilege of being able to work from home but a lot of times what I do in the garden, I plant something and I water it and then I have to wait, right? So I have time for other things. It's just a matter, it's kind of a, just a juggling act, act and prioritizing. I don't tell you that just to tell you all my business, but I just want you to know that I do understand and my whole life is not about the gardens. And I'm sure that you have a list like this. Whatever you have on your list, I'm sure it will be different, but life happens. And to understand that it's like anything else. You just have to make the time and space in your life for what you want. And having a garden is really about time and space. It's like the space-time continuum of gardening. <laughs> okay, so if you want to know how much time you need to make for your garden... First, consider how much space you're going to make for your garden. You've probably heard gardeners say at some point, start small. Well, that's kind of vague, isn't it? I mean, do they? what do they mean by start small? What is small? That's a relative term. But what they actually really mean is don't get overwhelmed by trying to do too much. Okay, what's too much? <laughs> I don't believe that they mean I don't want you to be overwhelmed by buckets and buckets of tomatoes and bushels of peaches and have lots and lots of all this delicious and nutritious food. That's not what they mean. That It's not that they don't want you to have too much food to grow. I believe what they mean is uh, by start small is don't let it overtake your life and or your yard to the point where you don't have time for it and it just becomes an overgrown mess. If you don't have time to water it and weed it and harvest it, etc., and I think that that's what they're talking about. As a matter of fact, I'm really pretty 99% sure that's what they're talking about. When we moved to this location a few years ago, we pulled out some boxwood hedges. I don't remember what they were, but it was some kind of hedges in front of the house that served no purpose whatsoever. When I looked at those, all I could see is they were really blocking the front of the house. You know, you'll see in those renovation shows, if you really want to make a big difference, just pull all the, the landscaping away from the house. Just expose the house. Well, that's what I wanted. But then after we pulled it out, I was like, oh, I can use all that space. I remember when I pulled them out or when we pulled them out, my husband pulled them out with a tractor. 
people, and I posted on Facebook because of what he was doing with the tractor. And I posted some pictures. Somebody said, what are you going to put in there? And I said, oh, I don't know, herbs, flowers, food. And I knew what I wanted to do, but they were like, huh? I don't understand. <laughs> but those hedges, there was nothing edible or beautiful about them in any way, shape, or form. We just put in some new plants to replace those hedges. I think we put in some shallots and things like that, but I'll get into that here in just a few minutes. But back in episode three, I talked about what is the best, easiest, and fastest way to start an edible garden. And that is to use your existing landscape beds. This is exactly what we did. We put in rosemary, shallots, three kinds of mint, some salvia, lettuce, cilantro, carrots, mums, arugula, Brussels sprouts, strawberries, now we have goji berries in there. We had petunias in there last year. I have not put petunias in this year just because I haven't had the time. Um, we have dianthus that someone gave me and some other plant that someone gave me that I don't remember the name of. I don't know the name of. But y'all, this is in two beds. One on each side of the steps that leads to the, that you, you walk up the steps and then there's a little sitting porch there. Enough for, say, four chairs. I don't remember the width of the house all the way across, but it's right in front of our front door. For the purpose of this podcast, I went out and I measured, and these beds are about three foot deep and about 15 feet long. So about 45 square feet for each bed. One is on the right side, one is on the left side as you come up to the door. So that's pretty much, even though we live out in the country, um, not in a subdivision. That's pretty typical, I would say, of a suburban type landscape in a subdivision neighborhood. Even though we don't live in a subdivision, I think that's pretty typical that you would have two beds, one on this side of the front door, one on that side of the front door as you walk up. So that was a total between the two beds of about 90 square feet. That was our starting point. That's where we started planting stuff. After we pulled out the hedges, now I had bare soil. And it's only grown from there as far as the other beds that I've put in, but that's just because I wanted it to. I wanted a lot more beds. So I'm gonna go through the list real quick for you, starting from bare soil. That's not pulling out the hedges with a big tractor or anything. That's once you get to bare soil that are 45 square feet each or 90 square feet altogether. And I'm just gonna say 100 because 100 square feet is easier for me to do math on there. So here's what I would say, how much time that someone would need to spend on these two beds in the front. Putting down mulch, I would say takes about 30 minutes once a year. So if you do it twice a year, if you put down mulch in the spring and in the fall, then I would say just double that. So that would be one hour a year. So 30 minutes twice a year, one hour total. And then if you're gonna plant plants, I would say one hour once a year. Or if you do it twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall, then I would say two hours. So right now we're up to three hours a year 
for putting down mulch and planting plants. Now, once you have perennials in, it doesn't even take that much time. But however, I hardly ever plant annuals anymore because I let a plant go to seed, as I've, I've said before on past episodes. And by the way, if you're new here, welcome to the Edible Gardens podcast. I'm so glad you found us. Here we talk about how your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. I'm your host, Nanette Blair. Thanks for joining me. My dream is to make good food accessible to everyone, and in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe, and it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, and veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. Also, you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, fun, reflection, entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want because it's your home, your yard, and your taste. So yeah, I I hardly ever plant annuals anymore. If I'm planting annuals, it's usually going to be something like tomatoes and peppers because my cilantro just grows on its own because it drops the seed from when it was growing before. It's the same way with lettuce and kale and other things. If I've grown it there before, chances are it's going to throw down a seed on its own or the wind's going to blow the seed down on its own into the soil and it'll just start to come up when the temperatures are right. A lot of times I don't even spend a lot of time planting Unless it's just something that I want to plant. And that's kind of the fun thing for me, really. It's like, oh, I have some plants. Where am I going to put them? (laughs) But unless I want to introduce something new into the system, and that's really what it is. It's a whole system. It's a closed loop system where everything's just kind of taking care of each other. We've talked about niches and establishment gills and things like that back in episodes 11 through 15. And I just, you know, kind of already have the basis established. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go listen to episodes 11 through 15. I think you'll get a big kick out of all the great information there that I learned when I went through the permaculture class. So that is mulching, which is a very important part in my book. And planting also, very important, a total of three hours a year if you do it twice a year, once in spring, once in the fall. And so how much time does it take to actually water and how much should you water? Well, it depends how far along you are in the process of building your soil and building that biology. Going back to episode two, and I know I'm throwing a lot of episodes out at you out there, but in episode two, I did a whole show on what's the one thing that makes all the difference in the garden, and of course, that is your soil. I'll just give you that hint right then and there, but go back and listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it because it is chock full of a ton of information, but if your soil is good then you really shouldn't have to water much at all, especially because you're right off of the roof line of your house. So all the water that is from the rain that is being harvested off of your roof, if you're not putting it into a rain barrel and putting it somewhere else, or it's not in gutters and it's, it's running off somewhere else, then that rain is falling, in my case, 
it's falling right onto those front beds. So I hardly water those beds at all. If we're in a severe drought, I may water those beds. But it's the same for the garden bed that I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes off of the back of the house. As far as watering, I would say in a transitional year, you're probably looking at 20 minutes, two or three times a week. And that's in a transitional year. That When I say transitional year, I mean you don't have your soil with good a good microbiome, those probiotics in the soil, the biology that's in the soil that I talk about in that episode two, that's built a structure that holds on to water for your plants, then it, that would be a transitional year. Like my soil right now is so much better than it was two and a half years ago when we first moved here. It's just, there's a difference of night and day. The first year I planted carrots, I couldn't pull the carrots up because the soil was so compacted. This year, my grandkids pulled up the carrots. And I just did a, a, a Facebook Live on that, and um, that was a lot of fun. By the way, we would love to have you come join us on the Ediful Gardens page on Facebook. It's just like the show, E-D-I-F-U-L. So, anyway... Uh, so how much time does it take to water? Well, that's if you're standing there with the water hose and you're spraying it onto the ground, which, as I've said in past episodes, it's really not the best way to water. But I don't have an irrigation system set up in my front beds. I do everywhere else. Well, not on the back bed. But I do everywhere else except for the ones in the front of the house. And really, I don't even need it. But if you're going to be, we don't have an irrigation system. We don't have a water sprinkler system like we used to in the house that we used to live in. And so I have to hand water these. That's me standing there with the water hose spraying the soil. So 20 minutes, two or three times a week. So however long that takes. What is that? That's an hour a week. But a lot of people think that or consider that to be therapeutic. That's what they like to do in the garden. It's not one of my favorite things. I don't like to stand there and hold a water hose. I think I'm a little ADHD. <laughs> but in the rest of my gardens, I have it set up with soaker hoses. But for whatever reason, I don't there in the front, probably because it doesn't really need it. But a lot of people, I've heard them say that's their favorite thing is doing the watering. I don't know if that's you or not, but we're talking about maybe an hour a week, which is, you know, not too bad. Now, for me to, the other task that I have that I do is edging the garden. Or the, you know, where you go along the sidewalk and you make a nice crisp line. Some people really don't care about that. I'm not real anal about it. I do like to see it every now and then. I don't do it every single time we mow. I certainly do not. And I'm usually the one that mows. I mow with a riding lawnmower. I take a, I've described how I create a berm on the Facebook page again, invite you to go look at that. And I think I'm talking about that on next week's episode, but it just looks like a raised bed without the wood. That's the best way to to describe it. You've probably seen these in some really nice landscapes. It just looks so good. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of like what I do. And so I just started creating a nice crisp line 
with the weed eater or edger right along the side of the bed. I don't use rocks. I don't use any kind of like plastic or metal edging. I don't do that because I just don't think that they work. They just don't work very good. They don't keep the grass out. The grass either goes over it or it goes under it. And so I just make a little ditch, which is kind of like a little swell. In some parts of my front beds, there's concrete to define the edge. And in some parts of the bed, there's not any concrete. So either way, I'm still edging. As I said in past episodes, perhaps you have someone that's taking care of your yard, someone that comes and mows and does your weed eating, things like that. Well, they can do this for you. You don't have to do it. And as for me, it takes me probably 10 or 15 minutes for those two beds to make a nice crisp line uh, just really put some definition there. It takes me 10 or 15 minutes. And not every time I mow. I don't do this every time. I just want to make sure that I keep that grass from growing into my garden beds. Grass is my worst weed. I do not like grass in my gardens. I like it in the lawn, but not in the gardens. I do not like pulling grass out of the garden beds. And I really don't have too many other weeds in there. And grass, I certainly do not want that in there. <laughs> so I'm trying to make sure that I'm thinking of everything. Oh, um, when I want to go out, cut something from the garden and bring it in to eat it, basically we're talking about going and picking some mint, some sweet mint for a mojito. That takes, what, 20 seconds? To go pull some shallots out, out of the garden to cook with. 10 seconds, rosemary, go snip, snip some rosemary, 15 seconds, strawberries, they never even make it into the house. <laughs> they get eaten outside, but you get the point. I mean, it just doesn't take very long to do the harvesting. We're taking a little bit at a time, unless, and I did have a situation where I had a ton of cilantro that I had to deal with and what I ended up doing and I think I'm going to do a whole show on this one but what I ended up doing is uh, taking it up to the people that let me have my mulch for free I just opened I just got some um, gallon size Ziploc bags and filled a bunch of them up and took them up there and said hey does anybody like to make their own salsa or guacamole or whatever and here you go because I it was right before Easter we had a lot of family coming over and I just really didn't have time to process it all but I think I had like three and a half pounds of cilantro that was just in the way that I just needed to move because the rain had kind of beat it down it was kind of falling over and I had company coming and I just didn't like the way that it looked in my garden it was just starting to bolt and I have ton more of cilantro there but anyway, so if I am cleaning up the beds, like if I do have something that dies back for the win you know, from the winter, um, if I'm cleaning the beds in the spring or if I'm pulling stuff out so I can plant some fall plantings, then I basically just throw it out in the yard. <laughs> but, and then I just run over it with the lawnmower. And, you know, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me if a lettuce seed falls into the lawn. It doesn't matter to me. We're just going to run over it with a lawnmower. It just kind of mulches everything up and drops it onto the ground. And that's good for the grass, too. So I'm just kind of lazy like that. But then I'll repeat that in the other season. So if that was the spring, then, you know, maybe I'll do it again in the fall. 
do that all at one time, I would say maybe 10 minutes. So we're not talking about a lot of time here. We're talking about for two beds, we're talking about mulching twice a year. I'm just gonna go on the conservative side that say the most amount of time that you would spend. And most people really only do this once a year. But if you mulch twice a year, that's an hour for these two beds. If you're going to plant twice a year, that's that's two hours. So you're talking about three hours so far for planting and mulching. And I can't really count watering because, you know, maybe you stand there with water hose. Maybe you have sprinklers. I just don't know. And I don't water these beds that often now, especially because I'm through my transitional period and the soil's in real good shape and it holds on to that water. Not in a way that's bad, in a way that's very, very good. I might have to water every once in a while. To edge 10 or 15 minutes, let's just say once a week. We're going to err on the conservative side of how much time could we possibly spend. So let's just say 15 minutes a week. What is that? 15 minutes a week times 52 weeks, what would that be? 15 times 52, we're talking about 780 minutes. So let's divide that by 60. We're talking about 13 hours a year. You divide that by 12, and we're talking about basically about an hour a month and how much time you would have to spend edging the garden beds with weed eater, which is something you would have had to have done anyway. And it's a possibility you're not even doing it at all because somebody else is taking care of your yard. Just be sure that when, if somebody else is doing your lawn work for you, say you have a company, a contractor that comes and does it. If you have something growing out of your bed, like, um, like a vine, like a squash plant or cucumber or something like that, don't be upset with them if they go over it with the weed eater, if it's crawling out of the bed. It's their job to keep everything neat and tidy looking. So it's your job to go pick it up when you're walking outside, you're doing your watering, or you're just checking on things, to pick it up and put it inside the bed and make sure that it's not trailing outside the bed unless you make other arrangement with uh, other arrangements with your landscaping company like your sweet potatoes or whatever it is that's vining and it's growing outside your bed just a little side note there if you do everything in the spring and the fall which most people don't they only do the spring and they don't worry about fall planting but let's just say you're going to do both that would be three hours a year that's basically twice a year. It's not divided. It wouldn't be fair to divide it up by the month because you're not going to do mulching, you know, 15 minutes a month. You're going to do it 30, to 30 minutes twice a year. So we're talking about an hour and a half in the spring and an hour and a half in the fall. If you split those three hours up, divide them by two, spring and fall. If not, then you're only doing an hour and a half, one time a year. Okay, am I going too fast? Is this making any sense? The edging, we're talking about spending time you would have spent anyway, but we were talking about about an hour a month. And, and that's if you do it as much as I do it. Some people don't do it even every other time they mow. Some people do it every time they mow, so it just depends. 
this is how much time we're talking about spending in about 100 square feet. Really, it's 90 square feet, but we're going to call it 100 square feet just because it's easier for the math. I wanted to talk about the next thing we did. So we did that first because we pulled out those hedges. But then I said, you know, I want a kitchen garden and I want it off the back porch. So this is where I planted tomatoes and peppers and asparagus and strawberries and lavender, and which by the way, I think I've told you guys this before, but I planted the lavender in the front and I had that hand to the forehead moment where I said, oh my gosh, I know why they died. They died because they're just getting too much water there. There's way too much water coming off the roofs. Lavender does not like that much water. It's a Mediterranean plant. It does not belong right on the edge of the drip line of the house. So I do have it in the back, but it's not right off the drip line. Back side of the house, let me look and see. I did go out and just kind of sort of measured, but this bed is kind of an odd shape. It's about nine by 12. So it's about 108 square feet. We're not going to call it 108 square feet. We're just going to say 100 square feet because it's easier for me to do the math. <laughs> but we can repeat the same amount of time spent on the front beds that we've already gone over. And we can total that up for the, the front beds, one on each side of the door. And then a back bed behind the house. And I think that's pretty typical for a city lot block house. You, a lot of people probably don't even have a bed in the back, but that's, I would say, I'm 99.999% sure that this is where most people want to put a garden. They don't want to plant peppers and stuff like that in the front, but this is where they'll want to put a garden is in the backyard. So if you're looking at something that's about a 10 by 10 space, about 100 square feet, then you're looking at... If, depending on you plant, if you plant only once a year, you're talking about an hour and a half a year just spent all at one time. So that's one morning in the springtime where you mulch and plant. Less if you have perennials and um, are only going to plant, poke in a pepper plant and a tomato plant or a couple of tomato plants once a year. But if you're going to do it twice a year, then you just double that, be three hours and be an hour and a half in the spring an hour and a half in the fall. And then edging, this is something that you probably would do anyway. You're talking about an hour a month or 10 or 15 minutes once every other week, something like that. And harvest time still, it's no biggie. If you want a tomato, you want an onion, you want some potatoes, you just go out there and you just pluck it off and you come back in the house. It's negligible. You know, the amount of time that you have to spend. So, as you know, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, we don't spend a lot of time putting out pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or even chemical fertilizers. We're feeding the soil by providing it mulch. I do want to say when you're watering, uh, I actually kind of did the reenactment in my head, but it would be the same if you were applying some compost tea or compost extract rather not compost tea but compost extract and there is a difference but compost extract basically you're going to take a cup or two of compost you're going to tie it up in a paper not a paper towel but you're going to tie it up like in an old dish towel 
or something that closes that has like a drawstring on it, you're going to dunk it in a bucket for 30 seconds and then you're going to pour it on all at once. So it doesn't take 20 minutes. I think it would actually take less time, depending on if you have to let that water warm up to the temperature that your compost is. Now, this is only if you're making homemade compost. I would not do this with compost that I buy from the store. And that is a whole other show. As a matter of fact, I think this is a whole course that we just need to do because I just see so much misinformation out there that it really needs to be straightened out. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to just teach a little course on composting because it's something that's so easy to do and you just can't, I don't, trust the compost that you buy at the store. I used to think all compost was created equal. So that's what I fertilize with and there's nothing else that I can recommend. If you don't want to do compost at home, maybe you can find someone who makes good quality compost, but it needs to be good quality compost. We're not trying to feed the roots nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and all the other micronutrients, we're trying to feed it the biology that's in the compost. And when you feed it the biology, and I know I'm being redundant here because I've said this many, many times before in past episodes, but if you feed the soil that those microorganisms, those microorganisms, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it again. I know I'm being redundant, but I'm going to say it again. Those microorganisms are extracting an enzyme that's a catalyst that pulls out all the nutrients that your plants need anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. It works every single time. On this planet, I don't know how it is on other planets, but on this planet, we have the, the bacteria, the nematodes, the microarthropods, the protozoa. We have all that we need to extract those nutrients from the soil and feed the plant at the root zone. We don't have to apply any chemical fertilizers. Again, I think that we just need to do a course, a little mini course on how to do compost. What's the difference between compost extract, compost tea? I do realize that not everybody makes compost or knows how to make compost or even wants to make compost, but this is what I do, and there's nothing else that I can recommend. I'm sorry. I know that puts people at a loss, but there's nothing better. No, I don't use bone meal. I don't use blood meal. I don't use anything that's considered organic that you buy at the store. I just use compost. I look at everything through the microscope, and I see what I need is there. Anyway, okay, tangent over, rant over. <laughs> But what I love to see are these plants that are either perennial, now that they're planted, I don't have to plant them anymore. I don't have to worry about that spot in the garden being open, being devoid of something else. Now, it's already done. Like the lavender, it comes back year after year. And the gladiolas come back year after year. The asparagus comes back year after year. The oregano just stays around all year. The goji berries are going to come back year after year. So all of this stuff is grandfathered in, and I just have it there for me. It comes back year after year. 
Also, I know this is something that I've said repeatedly, but anything that is a good self-seeder, which is most plants, really, if you have basil growing, when they get all dried up, I don't pinch off the flowers, but when they get all dried up, I just pull those seeds off the top and I throw them on the ground, and then they come right back whenever the temperatures are right. That plant decides, oh, okay, it's time to grow. So I don't even have to worry about planting a lot of annuals. Probably the only ones that I should, that I think about planting is going to be tomatoes, peppers, probably sugar snap peas. Um, the zinnias, they just drop their own berries. Uh, the garlic, I do plant. I do plant the garlic every year. That's how much time it takes. That is for a typical suburban landscape. Uh, even though I have a lot more than that, those are the two that I wanted to cover because it's approximately 100 square feet in the front, 100 square feet in the back. And it's an hour and a half once a year. It's a one Sunday and one Saturday morning when you're off from work to do everything you need to do. Other than that, it's some edging and watering. And that's really all it is. And so on next week's show, we're going to talk about going bigger. How much time does it take for a thousand square feet? And you can pretty much guess it's going to be 10 times three. Uh, but you'll want to come back and listen to this show because it's if you want to start off from scratch. If you're starting a garden, I find that this is such the, this is the case for so many people is, okay, they want to do a garden but they have no bare soil. They don't have any existing landscape with mulch and sprinklers and edging and all of that already set up. So they're having to start from scratch. So how do you get to bare soil? What's the easiest, fastest, and best way? What's the best strategy to start from scratch if you want to do something a little bit bigger? And how much time does that take? So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. And if you want to hear more about how to grow your own food in a beautiful landscape, then click that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Sometimes we have some bonus shows, depending on what's going on. Sometimes we're here more than just once a week. And remember, this podcast is dedicated to you so that we can all put good food on the table. Until then, bye for now. Bye.